Hey everybody, Arjo Ochoa from Blog and the Boys here on Riled Up. Just want to let you know we had a bit of a scheduling mishap happen, which is why you did not get this episode on Thursday afternoon. Tom, Ryle, Roy White here to get you riled up. Uh, this will sit in place of Friday's edition of the Ocho. We do have daily episodes, as always, on the Blog and the Boys YouTube channel if you're looking for that kind of content. But drop in Riled Up right here. Later on today, you will have a brand new episode of Girls Talking Boys. Tomorrow, you'll have Cowboys Oil with Maurice Rodriguez. Sunday, before the game. In fact, late Saturday night, you'll get the Jersey Boys official pregame show that they do here on the Blog and the Boys podcast network. And of course, after the game, you'll get our official postgame show. The Daily is going to have a bit of a new look next week, so uh, be on the lookout for that here on the Blog and the Boys podcast network. Please do subscribe, leave a rating, ride review. Those things help us out more than you know. Uh, but yeah, let's go ahead and get you riled up. Tom Rowell, Roy White, next here on Blog and the Boys. It's a Thursday here on the Blog and the Boys Podcast Nation. Another victory in the books for the Dallas Cowboys, and we are here to get you riled up on the Cowboys. It is my man, Tom Ryle, alongside your boy, Roy White, here at RW3 on Twitter. You can follow my boy, Tom, at Tom Ryle BTB, and another solid win in the books for the Cowboys, 41-21 to over the Eagles. They dominate the Monday night football game, and we do want to get into the matchup that's coming up this weekend because it is uh, a pair of early season juggernauts, if you will, and we'll dive into what the Panthers offer here in just a little bit. But before we do that, anything to wrap up what we saw in that Eagles performance, Tom, what were your takeaways? 41 to 21, and the game wasn't nearly as close as the final score. I mean, that was from the opening drive where Kellen Moore and Dak Prescott and the running back, I think Ezekiel Elliott was in for that entire drive. They just sliced through the Eagles defense and got the opening touchdown. Uh, the only real hiccup was the very questionable play call that led to the Dallas, uh, to the fumble in the end zone by, by Dak. Um, you take, take away that, and this just was a butt kicking from one end to the other. We had, you know, interceptions. We had, uh, you know, there were only a couple of sacks, but, uh, where they came from was interesting because uh, Osa Digizua had one and a half of the sacks and they, they had a lot of pressure on Jalen Hurts. He didn't hurt them with his legs, partially thanks to Micah Parsons, who was just a heat-seeking missile out there. And, uh, you know, all aspects of the Cowboys game, with the exception of the Greg Zerline miss point, which is troubling, uh, everything else just clicked. They, they, Dallas just was clearly the better team. And when you look at the landscape of the NFC East, you just kind of chuckle to yourself because this could, they could take control of the division by the midpoint of the season and, and have an almost insurmountable lead. No question about it. And I think that's going to come sooner than later. Uh, as Chris Brown would say, you got it, babe. You got it, babe. That's exactly what I would tell to the Cowboys in regards to the NFC East. You got it. And it's yours unless something catastrophic happens. Uh, that butt kicking against the Eagles, 
I will say, just want to take a little bit of credit. Last week, I said they'd beat them 34 to 24, and it wouldn't even be that close because the last touchdown would come from the Eagles on a late score after they had already been blown out. And quite frankly, that is that is damn near the way that it happened outside of a couple of defensive scores. The defense was terrific in this game, really only allowing 14 points. And, you know, between the two rookies in the middle, Odigizua, who I was incredibly impressed by the versatility that he displayed, right? Everybody's talking about Micah Parsons lining up at linebacker, lining up at DN. How about Odigizua, who lined up at nose tackle, at defensive tackle, and then also on the outside as a defensive end and was disruptive in every single asset, uh, in every single one of those positions. So true, uh, impressive performance by the offense, right? Whenever you score 41 points, even if, you know, seven of that came from the defense, whenever you score 30 plus, that's going to be an impressive outing. And sure enough, the Cowboys are now one of seven teams in the NFL averaging over 30 points per contest. The seven Tom, their combined record so far through three weeks, 16 and five. And oh, by the way, two of those losses are from the Kansas City Chiefs, who we know are not necessarily a team that we expected to have two losses through three weeks of the regular season. The Dallas Cowboys look like they're right back on track. The best news, perhaps, from this game outside of the victory and outside of just taking it to Nick Sirianni and his beat Dallas t-shirt, right? I don't think he'll ever wear that one again. But the real great news, no injuries. No injuries to speak of that the Cowboys sustained. Unfortunately, as we look at the IR and the players who were designated to be able to return after just three weeks, it doesn't look like the likes of Kelvin Joseph or the likes of Neville, Neville Gallimore will be ready to go. For those who remember the Gallimore injury, that never appeared to me like a three or four week injury. That was one uh, that I still shudder when I think about how that appeared. And then the Kelvin Joseph injury who sustained a calf strain there in the final game of the preseason. That one still looks like we're a couple of weeks away as well. Thankfully though, Tom, this is kind of the soft underbelly that the Cowboys are about to embark on, on their schedule, or is it? Are the Carolina Panthers for real as a team who right now sits atop their division at 3-0, and and that's a division that contains the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, the reigning champions? Yeah, it's uh, – of course, they, don't, they haven't played the Bucs yet. So no, they have not. Still, so we've got still got to see how that no. shakes out. Uh, and who have they played, Tom? Um, they have played the New Orleans Saints, the New York Jets, and the Houston Texans. Yeah, that was two games that you probably looked at as very winnable to begin with. And the Saints in the post-Drew Brees era are certainly having their struggles uh, at this point. So, yeah, um, it's it's hard to get a good, solid read on what's happening with the Panthers. Have they just been feasting on, uh, you know, poor competition? Or are they more legitimate? And, you know, I think this, the Cowboys are definitely their biggest test. The Cowboys have faced their biggest test of the season, possibly in the Buccaneers. Uh, although the Buccaneers no. ran into a book. You think, who do you think is their biggest I still test? Think the, I still think the Chiefs will be the biggest test uh, when they play them 
right around Thanksgiving. I think the week before Thanksgiving. I mean, I yeah. I know, and I know the Buccaneers, you know, beat the Chiefs a year ago, so it maybe. But I just feel like Patrick Mahomes is going to find his rhythm by that point. And if they don't sustain any injuries, you know, all they need is that defense to be serviceable, and that is a terrifying offensive unit. Uh, I, I will. In my I mind. will say that. I will say that it looks like Mahomes' supporting cast in Kansas City has taken a step back. Uh, they're just not providing as much as they did uh, during the past couple of years. And, you know, I point to the historical trend in the NFL over the past several years that the team that loses the Super Bowl is very much in danger of missing the playoffs the following season. It has happened multiple times in recent history. Uh, so if, if my memory is not completely off there. Uh, so, but I, at the very least, you have to say that the Cowboys have faced probably one of the three biggest opponents that they've got coming up this year. And, no debating that. I will not debate and, that. You're absolutely right. And in the Chargers – that's a team that seems to be doing very well outside of losing to the Cowboys and could actually be one of those top three opponents that the Cowboys already have in the rearview mirror with a win notched against them. So as you know, as I've, I've written in an article that's going to be linked to this podcast we tend to, we can get too overhyped about the Cowboys, but it feels more real this year. Uh, you know, Kellen Moore has been doing brilliant things. I don't think there's any other way to put it. Uh, his scripted plays at the start of the game are just looking great. And Dan Quinn's brought a fire and an attitude to the defense. And all of those new pieces on defense, there's not a one of them that, that has been on the field that has been a disappointment. You know, you, you talk about a Diggy Zua and Parsons uh, coming in. How, how about, uh, you know, Bohanna has not been bad. He has had some plays where he's just put people on the ground and helped you know, with some of that pressure and with the run stopping. Yeah. And How about the, the secondary the, guys, J. Ron Curse? Oh, the, they, the, they, those three safeties. Oh, they, yeah. All three of them. I agree. They all look like upgrades from what we had in years past. And that's that in and of itself is shocking to see because we are so used to being let down by the bargain bin free agents that we've missed on in so many years recently that I think a little bit like how we reacted to the Micah Parsons pick, right? We'd been let down by so many picks of, of yeah. linebackers that we all just kind of assumed wrongly, clearly, that he might not be a good pick at that spot. I think we've all grown accustomed to the idea that whoever we add in the secondary, if they cost anything less than $3 million, then they're probably – you know, potentially a danger of being cut before the season even begins in some guys' cases, like the likes of, you know, Nolan Carroll's of, of years past or Mackenzie Bernardo's. Yeah, but the Cowboys seem to have hit on every free agent signing with the possible exception of Ty Insecki, who just is not able to stay on the field. And Terrence Steele has come in and been – far better than I think any of us could have hoped 
you know, the, the only player on offense who is having some struggles at times is Tyler Biotish. And he has faced some of the best interior defensive linemen in the league already. So, of course, you expect him to get beat. Hopefully, he will grow. But, you know, also maybe maybe when he's up against some people, uh, not necessarily this week maybe, but down the road, he's going to look a little bit better. Uh, He's still got quite a challenge. Uh, Joe Philbin's got his work cut out with him. And, you know, Kellen Moore's got to find ways to keep the offense clicking. However, Kellen Moore will take what, Ever you give him aggressively, as he put it, uh, and he's shown that. You know, you go up against a, a, a basically impenetrable run defense, then Dak Prescott is going to go to town uh, working with the secondary. If if they you give they give you a chance to run the ball, Ezekiel Elliott and Tony Pollard are such a great duo that are finally being used appropriately, it looks like. They're giving Pollard enough work to capitalize on what he does. And Elliott's running a lot like he did his rookie year. He doesn't have the long breakaway runs, but he averaged 5.6 yards a carry uh, against the Eagles. And when your running back is doing that, and the other running back is doing 5.5, as Pollard did, your running game is going to keep a lot of drives alive. So, you know, it's it's tamp down, tamp down, tamp down. I, I don't like it. <laughs> I think it's fair to be honestly hyped about what we have seen through three weeks. You just yeah. mentioned two guys who are on pace to each be thousand yard rushers this season. Now, granted, mm-hmm. we get the extra 17 game to do that, but they are both on pace to be thousand yard rushers this season, both rushing for just under 200 yards through three games so far. Um, all the pieces on offense appear to be clicking, including the continued emergence of the tight end position. I mean, we don't Ooh. talk enough about what Dalton Schultz has become over the past season and a half. And I'm a Blake Jarwin fan. I get those out there that are also as well. But you have to concede that Dalton Schultz is the number one tight end on this team. With Dalton maybe, you know, with with Blake maybe 1A. But Dalton Schultz has become a legitimate weapon through two games, or three games rather, 14 receptions. He's right there behind Amari and CD. Yeah, the leading receiver in the, the the Eagles game, and I bet he wishes he could have that one uh, ball that he he got knocked away from him mm-hmm. uh, back that he could have hung on. I think he could have hung on to that and really had an outstanding game. And as it was, he had a dropped this season, by the way. Uh, yeah, and and by the way, he did have an outstanding game as the leading receiver and two touchdowns, including one of the most casual multiple ankle breakings that I've ever seen. Where he just out there, the Eagles. I think the he caught the Eagles at a time when they knew it was all over, mm-hmm. and maybe they weren't putting in enough effort. But still, to to cut, get the ball with four defenders directly between him and the goal line and still go in another 10 yards and score was just 
Well, it was hilarious. That's the only way to look at it. And the unintentional uh, musician power slide, the lead guitarist power slide into the end zone, I was yeah. a particularly big fan of. Um, you know, you just, again, this is where I feel like, and, and I feel like people in Cowboys land are trying to take that tamp it down approach because I don't want to get too high on it. But I think that is going to ramp up over the next several weeks and yeah. it starts this weekend when they take on a Carolina Panthers team who while being three and oh is at their most vulnerable they just yeah. lost Christian McCaffrey their best weapon to an injury that's going to keep him out multiple weeks in addition to that they lost rookie cornerback a Cowboys targeting JC Horn who fractured a foot and is going to be out several weeks as well. We hope him and wish him a very speedy recovery. But those are two incredible players on the other side of the ball for the Carolina Panthers that they will be without. And I'll be honest, outside of feeling like the Cowboys are potentially vulnerable up the middle on offense with Tyler Biotish, because as you mentioned, he's faced a lot of good players, but he's going to face another one in former number seven overall pick Derek Brown. 320 pounds out of Auburn was a first rounder in 2020. He is a talented young player and he will also, I expect, give Biotish trouble. But if that's the only place that the Cowboys are vulnerable offensively, and according to Pro Football Focus, every other lineman outside of Terrence Steele ranks in the top 10 at their position and Terrence Steele ranks 11th then yeah. I feel like the Cowboys can weather that storm, especially when you always have the safety valve of Zeke in the backfield who blocks as well as any running back in the league. And I, I know I harp on that probably too much. Most people may not care that much about what he does back there, but it's an unsung part of his game that he does exceptionally well. And I just feel like I need to highlight it at every opportunity. So as we're feeling very good about what we've seen so far and what we expect to see, over the next couple of weeks, the reason I believe that the Cowboys can really wrap up the division this weekend, because a win against the Panthers not only signals to the rest of the NFL that, you know, the Cowboys aren't going to let themselves down after a big victory and in a potential trap game. I think the Panthers look vulnerable right now, despite being 3-0. And, and maybe there's a risk that they would overlook them to a divisional opponent a week from now in the New York Giants. But if they beat the Panthers, they then face the Giants, Patriots, Vikings, Broncos, and Falcons. We could be looking at a team that's 7-2 and two or 8-0 and after nine weeks before they face the Chiefs. And on the flip side, you look at who the Washington football team, who the Eagles, and who the Giants play over the next couple of weeks – for the Eagles, Chiefs, Panthers, Bucks, Raiders. For the Giants, Saints, Cowboys, Rams, Panthers, Chiefs, Raiders. For the football team, Falcons, a winnable game for them. Saints, perhaps a winnable game for them. But then the Chiefs, Packers, Broncos, Bucks. And yeah. for the Cowboys, their next four, five opponents – Panthers, Giants, Patriots, who look absolutely lowly. Vikings, who had a decent bounce back but couldn't close the deal against Arizona with a makeable field goal. The Broncos and Falcons. 
I truly think that this will be done in a matter of weeks. Yeah, and the Broncos are kind of like the Panthers and a lot of people are looking at it saying that their 3-0 record may be a little hollow. So, yeah, it seems to be set up. And to me, the, the, the biggest weapons are, are for the Cowboys may actually be the two coordinators because, you know, I've, I've talked about what Quinn has instilled in the defense, the performance he is getting. I mean, we've got a team that's leading the league in takeaways and turnover margin and interceptions. And my gosh, when's the last time you said that about the Cowboys? Uh, you know, even if it's early and we've got to see if it's, it's sustainable because there's always that huge luck element in that, but they seem to be doing something to help generate that. And more just, he comes up with a, you know, you talked about, well, we've got to try to figure out how to, to, to protect, you know, uh, Dak Prescott and all that with with the problem with Biotish. Do you realize that was a, a play where he had C.D. Lamb in on pass protection last last week? Uh, it's just you know where does he come up with this stuff? And wow, it sure does work good. So uh, you know it's yeah it's it's I'm trying to remain objective and understand that you know, things can turn, but the Cowboys have taken all of these players that are out in stride, which is why I don't think there's in any rush to get anybody back. They are seeing such good production out of what they have put on the field. Now they, you know, hopefully will at least maybe get a couple of guys back off the COVID protocol, uh, in, in, uh, is Keanu Neal and Bradley and I, I believe, is that correct? Yep. Um, and they will hopefully be back this week. You know, and it becomes almost a question of okay, do they well, get? Do yeah, you... do they suit up? <laughs> right. Yeah, it's it. It's more like, well, who do they pull? Which you know, I guess will be the two guys they called up from the practice squad to, to cover for them because that's a you know no cost thing. They that doesn't count against the times you're allowed to bring people up from the practice squad under the current rules that the NFL is using, which I hope become permanent. Uh, I think there's the flexibility is benefits the whole league as far as not just the teams, but the competitiveness of the games and letting the good teams shine, which the NFL sometimes doesn't really consider as well as it should. If you've got something that lets your good teams play at their closer to their potential you should go with that because it puts a better product on the field even in in the cases where like with the Cowboys had last week you have the better team blowing out the other team and I haven't seen how the ratings were for that Monday night game but I know at least for Cowboys Nation it was enjoyable um, you know and so it's it's all it's all very it's very entertaining for us right now. And if it's it turned out to be entertaining on Sunday, yeah, this could be the start of something where they get on a run and by game week 10 or 11, it's pretty much all over for the NFC East. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity, but giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. 
Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Yeah, I think the only risk with hype from a fan standpoint is that we maybe get too over the top on the defense because of the types of offenses that we're going to play, right? None of those teams that I mentioned are the type of team that scares you offensively. The Giants, the Patriots, the Vikings, the Falcons, you know, the Broncos, right? None of those teams are teams that scare you offensively. So I think the potential risk there, if there is one, is that maybe we think too highly of the defense. And that's why I say, again, the the Chiefs will ultimately be the measuring stick for me. What can you do against the best offenses in the NFL? Because that's the type of quarterbacking you're going to go up against when it comes to the playoffs, right? The Matthew Staffords, the Tom Brady's of the world, the Aaron Rodgers's of the world. And that's ultimately what you're going to have to measure yourself against. But even still... I do expect the Cowboys to kind of put this thing to bed very early in the NFC East and hopefully though, still keep that focus and knowing that there's, there's bigger fish to fry at the end of the season. With that said, through three weeks of the, of the season, Dak Prescott now being considered one of the odds on favorites for the MVP conversation in the NFL. But I'm curious from you, Tom, who do you think has been the Cowboys most valuable player outside of Dak Prescott through the first three weeks of the season. And I've got a guy in my mind, but I didn't discuss this with you beforehand. So I want to give you the first opportunity to take it. If you feel like you want to think about it, you let me know and I'm on it. Uh, Yeah. I want to see if I come up with the same name. And so I'll throw it out first. I'd vote for Trayvon Diggs. An interception in each of the first three games. Uh, a pick six, uh, just shut down coverage most of the time. Uh, I think teams are going to have to start throwing away from him. Uh, You know, he is – somebody talked about him as giving him some Deion Sanders vibes, and I'm not sure if I'm willing to go that far, but – he looks like he could be a guy that takes away half the field uh, and takes out the, the star receiver for the other team. And I think he's been just – his his second year is, is showing what happened because he really started coming on in the latter half of 2020 and has just carried that through for that second year growth you sometimes see from good players where they come in and have to get their feet under them their rookie year. And then that sophomore season, they just 
they're there. And so he is my name. Is that the guy you came up with? Or do you have someone else? He is ultimately the guy that I settled on. Although I had a debate in my mind about him and another defensive player. And I'm sure you know who that would be as well. I'll get to that in yeah. a second. But for Diggs, as you mentioned, right, really picking up where he left off a season ago, six interceptions in his last eight games dating back to last season, including three in each game to start the season this year. However, I would caveat that by saying that four of those six interceptions have all come against the Philadelphia Eagles. So <laughs> I do want to see him do that against some other teams as well. But I think what we've seen and the impact that those turnover, those turnovers have ultimately made within the games that they've played, he has been the team's MVP outside of Dak Prescott. The other one, is obviously, obviously the outstanding Micah Parsons, and we can't yes. say enough. Um, again, I'll say it for all this season, and then I'm going to stop saying it because I think everybody is probably in the same boat as me. If they're not willing to admit it, then that's fine, but I was not a fan of the Micah Parsons pick when they made it. And granted, that was based on the previous feelings that I've had about the linebacker position, but this guy – if you want to talk about races being over and the NFC East being over, I think the defensive rookie of the year award is already over. I think Micah yeah. Parsons is the odds on favorite in Vegas for that award. And I don't think anybody else is going to come close now that the likes of JC Horn has been injured and we haven't heard a whole lot from Patrick Sertan. I don't think there's another candidate going right now that has put together the resume through three games that Micah Parsons has, and there's nothing to suggest that he won't have even more to give as the season rolls on. I mean, his answers this week were even more of the same types of things that you love to hear from a player asked about what he prefers, whether he's a defensive end or a linebacker and what type of impact he can make. He basically said and i'm paraphrasing but the key factor here i'm a dog and i'm gonna play like a dog wherever i'm lined up that means unrelenting effort that means imposing my will and that means making plays and micah parsons has been that dude you know if it wasn't for the fact that he played linebacker maybe that he had forced another couple of you know uh turnovers then i might have been able to side with him but I just didn't want to take away from what Trayvon Diggs has done on the defensive side of the ball because he has been nearly flawless. Yeah, and I, I will do a mea culpa. I was just like you. When I heard the, the, the pick, it was like an off-ball linebacker. Haven't we learned our lesson? And then I kind of let myself get talked down off the ledge a little bit as people started talking about what he did have, you know, even though, you know, he was – I believe, didn't he miss the last – year of his college career because of COVID, I think. Uh, he opted mm-hmm. out or something. And so it's so nice to get talked down off the ledge, and it turned out to be legitimate mm-hmm. because we've kind of been talked into saying, okay, maybe this will work about other players, and it didn't. And in his case, it most certainly had has. So that's just another thing that we're not used to in Cowboys Nation that I could really get used to as, as time goes on. I'd also like to – can I throw out an honorable mention that I think needs to get some praise because Please. he's been 
he's really exceeded what anybody actually could expect. That's Osa Adigizua. Uh, he was a terror against the uh, the Eagles, and the Cowboys actually have a push up the middle on their defensive line. And like you said, and he can swing out and look like a dang good edge rusher when you want him to. Uh, big men aren't supposed to move that well. And he is just flying around and getting after it. And he harassed Jalen Hurts all game long. And, you know, also, what was it? They only had two or three actual running plays that didn't involve Hurts. Uh, you know, they just gave up on the run. Of course, they also got down by two scores, uh, you know, in the first half and pretty much had to get away from it to have a chance. And then, as it turned out, that wasn't a chance at all. But, yeah, that's that's just kind of – there are things happening with the Cowboys that we just aren't used to um, for a very long time. And it's, it's you know, I, I hope it doesn't all come crashing down like you. There's always that nagging thing, you know, could this be a trap game? Could they make a mistake? Could they – play down to the level of their opponent, as we saw happen way too many times, uh, you know, involving a certain player that we're going to see named Sam Darnold. We saw that happen. So, and I think that's actually, that's a great point. I think that's what's going to separate them this season and give people the confidence that they deserve to have is that they're not going to play down to these teams. They're going yeah, to continue it, to put up 30 and they are going to hold some of these teams to 17, 20 points double-digit wins, multiple-score wins. I expect to see all that over the next couple of weeks as, again, they face some of the softer teams, in my opinion, on their schedule. Um, you mentioned yeah. Odigizua, one-and-a-half sacks, tied for the team lead with Micah Parsons, who also has a sack-and-a-half. The only other player with a sack, though, is Leighton Vander Esch. Does it surprise you at all that, considering how good we felt about this defensive unit that they only have four sacks through three games and is it at all a concern going forward well missing uh demarcus lawrence uh randy gregory uh having missed a game uh, i don't know i'm not concerned i'd like to see that come along uh, you know i want to see if quinn can find some answers to that but you know, one of the reasons why I feel like this could be different is that Moore and Quinn both seem to be very good at doing their jobs, which, again, for the past several years, you know, we saw Moore start to emerge, but Quinn, you know, the, the defensive coordinators were just not getting it done. And, you know, last year, the defense just frankly looked confused and lost at times. And this year, they're not looking that way at all. Even Jalen Smith. He looks like he is, knows what he's doing. Yeah, he had, he had one play where it looked like he didn't fill the hole and they got a big gain out of it. But overall, if you go back and look at the whole game, he had another very solid game. Uh, you know, he still – get some funny things. There's a meme going around about him jumping up on a pass that's not within 10 yards of him. Yeah, that's a bad uh, one. That's a bad still yeah. shot. 
Yeah, it's, it's like he's the kind of player that's going to get some bad looks during a game. But if on, you know, mo- all the, the rest of the plays, he's just doing his job correctly. And he did chase down some plays. He did show his closing speed. So, yeah, I'm. there's just so many things to be encouraged about. Still a little bit worried about, you know, is there a better answer than Anthony Brown? Uh, you know, Jordan Lewis just flat missed a pick six. That would have been nice to have seen. But, you know, he, I thought there was a better answer on the free agent market, Tom, but Rick yeah, Sherman decided to <laughs> can't beat him. You join him. Go join Tom and, Brady and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And let me, let me just offer that, you know, I'll have to see how that plays out. I'm not sure Sherman is uh, as much of what he used to be to be helpful. Uh, so, you know, we'll have to see. I don't really, I'm not one of the people who was ready to jump in and get him in, mainly because the Cowboys have something going with the roster they have. And at this point, there's a part of me that would just be hesitant about throwing in a new element and trying to incorporate it in midstream. I see. I just, feel differently. I feel. Yeah. I feel like if I can identify the weaknesses on the team, then I need to be working as hard as I can to try to address those while I still can. Right. Yeah. And when I look at weaknesses on this team, I think of the depth at cornerback, and I think of the center position and those are the two and and also you know the coaching the coaching clock management but that's not something i can necessarily replace (laughs) in one day i'm just gonna have to hope and pray that mike mccarthy will learn his lesson eventually and when it matters he will make the right decisions i don't know how confident i feel about that but at least that is a possibility from the biotic standpoint from the backup cornerback standpoints i do have concerns and if there was a way to potentially address them, I would have gone that route. Even if it didn't pan out, we've, you know, it's not like yeah. the Cowboys haven't thrown stuff against the wall to see if it sticks before. Yeah. And, and I guess that, that's something I think we'll kind of just have to disagree a little bit on, which that's fine. That's what makes it fun looking at all this stuff is when you can have a little discussion back and forth. Um, and, you know, I'll even say that, yeah, I thought McCarthy should have tried to get the ball back in Dak's hands to try and go down and maybe get a field goal and, uh, you know, push the lead up to uh, 16 points uh, at the end of that first half. But as someone mentioned, he may have been, you know, trying to make sure the Eagles didn't get a double dip, uh, you know, uh, even though they had him in second and 24 and it seemed unlikely, he still didn't want to run even that marginal risk of them getting points then and then coming out on the opening drive. And it wound up working out because the Cowboys wound up getting the swing off of the pick six by Diggs. So, yeah, I mean, you know, I, I again, I, I hear that argument, but I think it's just Quite honestly, I think it's yeah. making excuses for Mike McCarthy because yeah. on the flip yeah. side of that, at second and 24, they have to make a decision when you call that timeout. Are they yeah. going to run the ball and concede that they're going to give up basically the possession and give the ball back to you? Or are they going to risk throwing it against your secondary that is shutting you, that is shutting them down at every aspect of, you know, on the field? To me, I think you, you dictate it. 
right? Peyton Manning yeah. said it on the Manning cast. And, and that is fantastic, by the way, for those who didn't watch. I understand if you yeah. couldn't because you needed to focus on the game. But, you know, from that aspect of it, one of the things he mentioned, you know, offensively, even if defenses change their defense, it still meant that Peyton and the offense were dictating things. And I'm in the yeah. position, the way I view it, you as a head coach, when you can dictate the tempo and when you can dictate the decision-making on the other side, there's no reason you shouldn't do that, especially when you can't take those timeouts with you. Doesn't yeah, do you I've, any good. I, yeah, I've, I've got, the, uh, got the Manning cast on DVR. I haven't had a chance to go back and look at it, but I fully intend to. Got to check uh, it out. Because, really good stuff. Yeah. Oh, well, I, I loved what I saw from, uh, Although from watching Peyton Manning, I almost kind of might be a Cowboys hater, if I'm being quite honest. Well, because the okay. entire time, he's almost encouraging Philadelphia to make a game out of it. He's begging them to stop yeah. sucking and make a game out of it. Yeah, well, and I, I, will, I will say that that should be the way someone that's commenting on the game should want it to go. That you, wanna, you don't want to blow out. So, you know, I'm not going to say that. I'm going to give him a pass because hating the Cowboys is just kind of something that's done in the NFL. Uh, and, but yeah, I still want to, I want to get, you know, catch all of his, his insights. You know, I, I just, I really wish they quit with the guests to tell you the truth. I don't think they add much more than colorful stories. I want to hear what, Manning especially is saying about what's going on on the field, uh, you know, and I, you know, I'm even looking forward to seeing what it was that led Eli to flipping the double bird. So, uh, well, it's, I think it's, Eli's thing on Tom House and and the breakdown of the hip dance that Dak Prescott does before games to warm up, uh, that was very entertaining and also insightful. I was interested in it, and then when they had Nick Saban on. You got to go back and watch that for those that hadn't, because Nick Saban talks about Trayvon Diggs at Alabama and the types of things that they do to get quarterbacks more comfortable. That was a very enlightening conversation when it's those types of football minds kind of matching up together. But I agree. I mean, in some cases, uh, other guests they've had on like Rob Gronkowski or even LeBron James, who is a, a, as big of a sports celebrity as you could find, but not necessarily someone that's adding a whole lot of insight to what's going on there on the football field. Saban, though, highly recommend that because that yeah. was offered in spades. So looking ahead then, the Cowboys taking on the Carolina Panthers. They got a noon kick there this weekend and uh, against a 3-0 team who's you know got to come to our house and, and try to make a game of it. What are you anticipating seeing from the Cowboys? And if there's any spot that you have concerns about, where would it be? I think we're going to see, uh, see them come out and test the, uh, the pass defense, test the secondary, uh, because Carolina has just been shutting down the run game. Um, and then defensively, I think they're going to be looking to do everything they can to make Donald as uncomfortable as they can as quickly as they can. Uh, and hopefully get some bad throws out of him that the sec that the Cowboys secondary can maybe capitalize on. Um, we'll have to see. I think you know. I think this is one of those games where they may start out passing, but in this case, it may wind up setting up the run later on, 
and then if the Cowboys can get a lead, we'll just see more and more of Elliott Pollard. Mm-hmm. Well, keep in mind for the Carolina Panthers, while they have looked decent on offense, they're only averaging about 22 points per game. It's been their defense that has done the trick. And to me, that is more about the offenses that they've played than it is about the defense that they have. Uh, they're going to be tested by the Cowboys this weekend. And I just don't think they have enough firepower to, to match up with them. Um, sure, Sam Darnold's done it before. I understand with the New York Jets, but that was against a much worse defense than I think what the Cowboys are displaying these days. DJ Moore, a legitimate weapon on the outside and a true test for Trayvon Diggs because that is a number one versus a number one. But Robbie Anderson, their second wide receiver, I guess their number two, has been essentially non-existent through the first couple of weeks of the season. They've got to find a way to get him involved. And then also without the outlet of, of Christian McCaffrey, you've got Chuba Hubbard, who's going to be taking his place and, and trying to replace him. But obviously there's no replacing the likes of Christian McCaffrey. So I truly think the Cowboys are going to be able to score 30 as they have average through the first three weeks of the season. And I think we're probably looking at another two score win. I, I wouldn't be surprised if it's close to this one, uh, 31, 20 is how I'm seeing the Cowboys take down the Carolina Panthers. And again, I think it only gets to 20 as the Panthers add a late score when the game's already in hand. Yeah. I'll, I'll up the Cowboys a little bit and say, I'm looking for maybe a 34 to 20. I want to see a solid two score win. And, uh, yeah, I think I think it can happen. And this is also a great illustration of the fact that while we get so wrapped up with the injuries the Cowboys are dealing with and, you know, players are suspended and, and on COVID and stuff, it happens to everybody. And like you said, the, the Panthers have taken two major hits now that they have to try to work around. No question about it. Well, we will uh, have the post game for you as we do on the Cowboys, uh, Blogging the Boys YouTube channel, RJ Show Anchor, and that did a fantastic job on Monday night. Make sure you check that out right after the game is over against the Carolina Panthers. Another episode of Riled Up in the Books for Tom Ryle at Tom Ryle BTB. I'm Roy White at RW3 on Twitter, and we'll see you next time. Let's go get a Cowboys win and move to 3-1 and one this weekend. Cowboys. We out.